think businesses that are successful, usually the owners are all in. Like this past year with COVID, I've seen my clients do some amazing things. I've seen clients completely work, rework their business models. They're just responsive, they're innovative. I think that flexibility is the key to the future. Hi everyone, uh, my name is David Robinson and welcome to the story of why. A chance to talk to people who have started companies, but more importantly have lived their life along the way learning more about what they want to do uh, and telling that story to others and also sharing their vision about where they want to go and trying to help them get there. Well, welcome Peggy to the story of why. Um, you're our third official guest. Today's kind of our first real recording. Uh, we've been playing around with it for a while, but we're actually finally getting into it. And, and you're one of our very important customers, so we want to start it with people that um, are important to us. Not that everyone's important, but you've been uh, part of Fractal for a while now. And um, I think what I'd like to do is, is kind of get some early stories about uh, maybe some of your background and how you got into what you got into, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Okay. So. Good. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. I really should say this is Peggy Seville uh, <laughs> of Seville. What's Peggy name? M. Seville, CPA. Yes. <laughs> thanks for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. It's nice to actually take time to chat like mm -hmm. this. It is. It is. So early stories. Well, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. How did I want to do you know thinking about childhood dreams and things like that mm -hmm. and uh, it's funny because uh, my very first job was working for my dad so he was vice president of a very small manufacturing company and in the summers we'd do our little two-week stint doing jobs for him and we'd work in the back doing manufacturing of they manufactured farm parts uh, for farm equipment and I hated it. <laughs> I never really liked having my hands dirty. It's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> so I didn't really like it. But when we go in and out, we walk past the office. And I thought the office was fantastic. It was clean. It was nice. It smelled, well, it smelled like the photocopier. <laughs> and that's where I wanted to be. Well, one day I got invited to work in the office. And that might have been the best day I ever had there. So it's funny because, you know, some kids dream about being a firefighter or police officer. I wanted to be a white collar worker. I wanted to be in the office. <laughs> I wanted to be in the office. So I didn't really know at that point, you know, what I wanted to do in life. The accounting part kind of came later, kind of mid, early 20s, I guess. Uh, an ex and I had a, tried to start a small business. We were importing a product from another country and trying to sell it and it never really went off but part of it was we were getting some free counseling from the BDC and they sent a, an accountant over and she was teaching me how to do books so I had like paper ledger that I was she was getting me to do like filling in the columns and and I remember that I didn't understand it and I didn't like that I wanted to understand it, and I knew that I wanted to have my own business by that point. So that's when I enrolled in college and took 
account the accounting program. So I just knew then that I wanted to be have my own business. I didn't really know what it was. So the accounting piece came came later. But then when I was finished school, I got a job at Ernst & Young, one of the accounting firms, the big accounting firms. This is all on the West Coast too, This right? is in Calgary. Calgary. Mm-hmm. Was, yours, was your dad's business in Calgary also? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that was early exposure to a small business because I've always focused on small businesses. And at Ernst & Young, I got hired in their small business division. And so I was working for a number of different partners and everything was small business. But what I discovered about working there was that I didn't really like the big corporate accounting firm model, I guess. <laughs> I thought that they were trying to suck the life out of everybody with lots of overtime hours, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because look at me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> look how many hours I've been working. Um, but uh, it was a good experience because I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really there that long. But during that time, I met my ex, and he had a small business. And he said, I have a desk. I, needed a, I need somebody to do my books. I have a desk. And so I worked for him for a reduced fee, which was sort of like my desk fee. And I started doing bookkeeping work. And that was, I created civil training and accounting. And that was 26 years ago. So, so it's wh- been 26 years since I've had a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. Uh, back to the day that you looked at the office, what part of your um, soul, I guess, do you think resonated mm-hmm. with you, why you wanted to be inside the office? What, what, what do you think was happening there when you looked at that office? Mm-hmm. Right. I just liked that environment. Mm-hmm. It, it resonated with you. It did resonate. I liked the paper. Mm-hmm. I liked the pens. Mm-hmm. I liked the carbon paper mm-hmm. that we used to use. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that that, that just that did pull me in. Mm-hmm. I think there's times in our life that we have feelings towards an environment. We don't know exactly why, but we know it's there's something there. And I think that's right. probably what we should chase is that feeling of there's something that I like about it and just continuing to pursue that feeling and not needing to know all the steps along the way and trying some things out even at different levels of environment saying, oh, I don't like large corporate, but I like a smaller version of it, uh, I think is a valuable process that we... I think should just embrace that there's something I like, I'm going to try some stuff out. And that typically leads you into an area that you truly enjoy. And, and it seems like small to medium business has been something that you really enjoy working with. Why I is do. that? I do. Because small medium businesses, they're people. They're, they're owned by people. It's not, it's often not just about making money. It's about a lifestyle. As you know, mm-hmm. it's, People are really invested in it because mm-hmm. it's it's them. It's mm-hmm. their expression of themselves, mm-hmm. and it's not um, just about the dollar. Mm-hmm. It, there's more to it than that. Yeah, and you know how much help they need because they often don't have the resources. But it's I I think it's very powerful when you can take a small business and give them insight on what is working and what is not, which I believe is what accounting truly is, is 
uh, a set of lenses that help people understand what's working and what's not. And I've just seen how you've worked with us uh, and Laura and all the other people in this business, in this space, um, giving them complete comfort of giving them a picture of their business and how it can be better. I think mm -hmm. that's the part that probably excites you is, is when you can help them understand more about their business. Right. Yeah. When I used to have jobs, I would get bored very, very easily. Mm -hmm. But since I've been self-employed, mm -hmm. I don't get bored. Yeah, there's not a lot of boredom. No, there's no boredom. <laughs> that's not an issue. Some days it'd be nice to have a little yeah, bit of boredom. But <laughs> you want some back. Exactly. But it's working with all these different businesses, it's so interesting to see what makes some businesses work. Why are some businesses successful? Why are some businesses not successful? And it's just so interesting. Mm -hmm. Each business is unique, it's different. Even in the same industry, a business can be unique and different. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fun to learn about it and then also play a part in helping make that better. Mm -hmm. what, what have you noticed as the common, or, or some things that have made businesses successful? What have you seen that's maybe been something that has been consistent that has made them successful? That's a good, that's a good question. Because it isn't just one thing. Mm -hmm. But I think businesses that are successful, usually the owners are all in. Mm -hmm. They're in it. Mm -hmm. And they're responsive. Like this past year with COVID, I've seen my clients do some amazing things. Mm -hmm. I've seen clients completely work, rework their business models. They're just responsive. They're innovative. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to one client, she just added a retail, in the middle of COVID, she's added a retail component to her business. And she said, it takes courage to be in business. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, it mm -hmm. does. Like she's doubled down and she's spent the money and she's also taking advantage of the opportunities that COVID offers. Mm -hmm. And that's been really exciting to see businesses do that. Mm -hmm. And I think just, the unique individuals and how they respond to things, how they work them out, it's its fun to watch. It's mm -hmm. exciting to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there has to be a person behind it that puts their heart and soul into it, and I think that then is witnessed by the staff and by customers, and, and you can see it in the quality of the products or, the, or services or whatever it's doing. I think one of the things that we've always lined on is that we know small to medium business, certainly small, under five people, is the engine of our economy you know at 80 percent of gdp it's undeniable that small business is an essential part of our economic structure and i think one of the things you and i've always been excited about is how to offer them services and also technology because you're quite a um, avid technology supporter um, of helping small businesses be better is mm -hmm. one of the things that i think we really try to do here and you've been um amazing at it because you're a bit of a master when it comes to QuickBooks and, and to new technology. So tell me what your thoughts are on technology or, or some of the ways that um, even Fractal, I guess, is trying to help small businesses get better. Right. Well, technology in the accounting industry has changed significantly in the last, I'm going to say, eight years, mm -hmm. perhaps, eight to ten years. And it's continuing because there's less handling of paper, more streamlining. We're still not there yet. There's still a long ways to go. And it's exciting to see that. 
So some of those mundane tasks, having them handled by technology, mm -hmm. which isn't perfect either. It mm -hmm. still has to be managed and handled because you can still go wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really mm -hmm. wrong even using technology like when you have an owner like me that doesn't put their receipts in when yes. they're supposed to <laughs> you need receipts <laughs> but just being able to scan a receipt take a photo of a receipt and then have it go into your books still has to be categorized but mm -hmm. that takes away a lot of the component of accounting that's dreary mm -hmm. it also brings your accounting into real time mm -hmm. so the old model was you had somebody else do your books, and you, maybe you'd get your financial statements. If you were really lucky, you'd get them you know, within 60 days of finishing your year end. Mm -hmm. But that's becoming less and less because your accounting is becoming more real time. Mm -hmm. So that you can go in and owners are looking at their books. I just more. looked at mine 10 minutes ago hey. because of you. <laughs> owners are looking at mm -hmm. their books, they're following their different cash flows, their budgets, their dashboards, mm -hmm. and they're more interested and more active in what their businesses are doing. And that's the exciting part, because if you wait till 60 or 90 days until after your year end, and you're looking at your financial statements, that's ancient history. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do if something didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to turn out? What are you going to do about it then, mm -hmm. right? You can plan for the next year, but you can't change that year because mm -hmm. it's already done. Mm -hmm. So that's the exciting part, I think, about technology. And we're going to see a lot more of it because they're talking about AI with accounting technology and also just the interchange or exchange of data. So if, if you do a, an invoice to another business, they sh a person shouldn't have to then key that invoice into their accounting system. Mm -hmm. They should just be able to click a button and have it go in. It shouldn't even be that they have to snap a photo or anything like that. It should just be seamless. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're working on that. I think we'll see more of that in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that allows, it's a, it's a really, it's a game changer, but also frees up the accountant to be more advisor. Right. And then I think when AI comes in place, even the role of advisor will be reduced to that the account will be looking at the human side. How mm -hmm. are what we doing affecting humans? Um, and I see that, you know, there's some research indicating that the CFO role has changed where they truly need to understand the impact of their decisions on, on the customers. So, uh, you know, and I think technology is probably going to force us all to be more human, that some of those elements of work weren't really adding a lot of value to the customer or to the owner. It's pretty exciting. Like I'm even seeing how our numbers are going in faster. Now you and I can sit down and say, well, like, what can we really do to affect the customer? Because that's all that really matters is, is right. translating decisions that give better service to the customer. And you'll have a good business if you do that. Mm -hmm. That's why you know, I've been so excited to work with you. I think the other thing that's been unique about having you here is similar to a marketing company that if the people that are involved in the company aren't a user of the product, user of the space, as an example. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to provide the same kind of um, advice. You're here and you're now working on our accounting and I can see how valuable it is to be able to walk up to the front and talk to Lauren, who's the GM, about what she's doing and how it affects the accounting. I think remote work takes some of that out, that um, it's more difficult to have a quick chat about something. Um, and 
you've been an example of that. And so have our marketing companies, the ones that have been here and as a user of the product engineer better marketing plans because they really do understand the business. And I think that's been a fun part of having this here is, is having people who are, I mean, we're kind of calling them um, customer advisors. Mm -hmm. They're our customer, but they also advise us on advice. Um, I see, I've just seen how that's really powerful to have you here. First of all, mm -hmm. I mean, we need to mention that you've been a really big proponent of this space, and uh, I'd like to know why. Oh, okay. That's a good question. It's very personal as well. It's, uh, I worked from home for 13 years, and working from home is lonely. Even I had a partner working from home with a partner, and even that was lonely. So what I'm seeing right now is a lot of people are being sent to work from home, but I know, because I did it for so long, I know what that loneliness component can do to a person. Mm -hmm. So when I had some major life changes, I was looking for a place to call my home. And I found Fractal, and I, worked, I walked in. The place is beautiful. It smelled great. <laughs> it's kind of like walking by the office. I'm thinking about now, it's sort of like walking by that office mm -hmm. when I was a kid. It's like, I just wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be there. And that was, there wasn't anything more that I wanted. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. this is my place. This is my home. Mm -hmm. And I've settled right in and I love it here. I love the people. There's a lot of like-minded entrepreneurial spirit here. There's a community. I've said, I've probably said this to you, you know, I'm not just paying rent. I pay rent, I get an office, but it comes with friends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. I don't think there are very many other places that offer that kind of kinship to a solopreneur, entrepreneur, because it's lonely to be in business by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the main reason why I love it here so much is that there's this shared spirit there's um, an exchange of ideas there's friendship there's you know camaraderie and I can have all of that and not just have that because I worked for a company mm -hmm. I can have that working on my own but still have those benefits that people that work in a firm and go to work every day have as well mm -hmm. I think that's a sense of belonging, mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. It's been interesting. I mean, I didn't really even know what I was building, um, which I think is part of the um, the journey as an entrepreneur. You don't have it exactly figured out. No different right. you look in the office. There was a feeling there that you knew you had to go in and do, and that's yeah. what pulled me here. Um, and it was the people that activated. I had no idea the magic that was going to be created by bringing all these people in. And, you know, a few people have told us that, They'd worked in really nice offices that were their own offices. But the coffee machine was different. That uh, They were often guarded because they didn't know what they could say. And, and there was an energy that was sometimes not great. Here, I don't know why, but there's, not, there's nobody really complaining. It's, it's like the culture has formed itself that there's generally a positive um, energy to the place. And so um, complainers don't really last long here. Right. Um, not not because of anything we do. It's just there's such a positive vibe that comes off of it that it um, 
it creates this really unique culture. So what are your thoughts on the fact that the whole world's going remote and how will companies manage culture with a distributed workforce? Huh, okay. Well, I mean, there are a lot of advantages to working from home. Mm -hmm. There are financial advantages. There, you can get up, make yourself lunch in your own kitchen. You can take a break, uh, go walk your dog or whatever. So working from home does have its advantages. It's lonely, as I mentioned. There's less of that community spirit. But like, take this just this morning, actually, as an example. Lauren, who's our general manager, she sent me an email. And the email kind of didn't really understand it, but I walked up to the front, and in a two-minute conversation, I totally understood exactly what she was asking and answered her question, which I could have spent three, four minutes rereading re that email, then composing another email back to ask her a question. There's just, there's something missing when you don't work with other people. And I think that, you know, people, companies are thinking, oh great, send everybody home, it's fantastic, look how much money we're saving. I think that will come around because people need other people. We all need other people. And it's not, it's productive to do work on your own. It's in fact more productive, but it's not productive to do work in teams. It's not as productive. Mm -hmm. Because there's a synergy that you get when you're working together or maybe have a quick meeting. I'm not a big fan of meetings, but sometimes they're actually necessary. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. have to have meetings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and Zoom meetings are great, but it's still not the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been studying from a design point of view um, the ideal environment, and I kind of re resonated because I think personally I was always uh, a mix between there's days that I didn't want to interact and there was days that I did, which I think every human uh, contains some level of that ratio, saying um, – I want some of my own time, and then I want some social time. I don't believe any human being has a zero requirement for interaction because that's solitary confinement, and it's pretty well the most cruel thing that we have as humans. Mm -hmm. Put them in a cage and leave them there. So I always design or studied the design of office space from a, from a social sense, and um, a lot of people know this, that was, this was built on a party that I found even parties didn't do that well, that they either made you the center of attention, there was really no place to kind of go and find your own little space. So I wanted to try to create these little zones and activity-based work in the design industry was an example of saying, why don't we give those people the spaces they need based on what they're doing? And I saw an interesting sort of infographic the other day that said, in-home is probably the most effective for concentration when you just need your own time. But then to look at how your day should progress where you need to get out and do some activity, you need to do some interaction with your clients and looking at sort of the day from an ideal breakdown. And I think that's what we're going to move to is that we're going to recognize that work from home is one environment that has some place for some, you know, some of the time, but quite a short-sighted um, perspective of organizations to just assume that they're going to send them all home. It's, that's almost crazy to think that a company would yeah. let them all just go home at the risk that there has to be some risk there of something. Mm -hmm. um, probably another sign that humans can be quite short-sighted, but... I see it as an opportunity because I'm obsessed with trying to create experiences for people that are positive. So um, I hope that it comes around that we have a role as 
um, a provider of, of space that is better than what companies can do. Because tr the truth is they really shouldn't be managing that space. Uh, that's not their true skill. If you look at the fact that we're in a podcasting room right now, it doesn't make any sense for them to set up a podcast room. Mm -hmm. But to have their founders tell a story is important. So I guess my dream is, and I think you share this dream because I think you want to be involved in what we're doing, is, is creating environments that let people um, connect and grow and learn. But it, it's still a traditional uh, belief that companies need to do that on their own, that they should have their own office. What are your thoughts on corporate offices and how they should look? How they should look? Or what like they should physically be. Physically? Well, okay. okay, so let's say that Peggy's company goes to 50 people. Uh, will shared office spaces be able to deliver the kind of value that companies see as a long-term solution? Or will companies just go back to doing their own space and signing five-year leases? How do you think it'll... Because we're in quite a transition period right now. We are in a transition period. It's going to be interesting because what ha what's happening right now is companies are sending people home. They're getting rid of their office space. And I wonder if they will later regret those decisions, maybe selling those properties, mm -hmm. because later they're gonna to have to bring people together. But that's an interesting idea that even a company of 50 people could manage from working out of a, a shared office space arrangement or something like mm -hmm. Fractal, because I think that flexibility is the key to the future. Mm -hmm. I think that the generation of punching a clock is done. People don't expect that. Young people particularly, they don't want that. And I don't even want that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I work long hours, but I'd also like to have the flexibility to take time off if I need to take time off. And I think that offering employees flexibility to create their own workspace. I mean, some people work better at night. Mm -hmm. Some people work better early, early in the morning. Why not let people design their own hours mm -hmm. and support them in that? Mm -hmm. And I think that that will be the, the way of the future more and more. So it's the letting go of control more than it is the office space itself. It's a mindset that right. if it's embraced, I mean, I certainly have shared that vision that even with my staff or my customers, control is not something that I... Um, I use a lot of because I don't think it's effective. I think mm -hmm. we rebel generally against control and we go do what we're going to do. So I've had the mindset with my staff to say, I really hope that what you're working on is enjoyable to you. But if it's not and there's something else you want to do, why don't you let us know and we'll try to help you. I see that process as potentially the business development um, mindset of the future saying you have workers, they all have sort of dreams of their own and to let that kind of blossom within, I guess, some I don't know how to do it. There's still lots of things I don't know about it. But to let them kind of flourish and to potentially support them, I think there could be completely new business models formed of that. Right, and I think that compensation packages mm -hmm. will follow mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Instead of tying compensation to the hours, mm -hmm. as we do, tying compensation to the results mm -hmm. of their work or meeting their... I mean, we know that bonuses are better structured if they're something within the employee's control. It's it's a goal that they can meet, that requires some work, but it's something that they can do themselves. And if you leave employees to say, okay, I'm not going to oversee your work, I'm not going to micromanage you, but here's 
what you need to get done. Here's when you need to get it done by. Mm -hmm. And then let them do it the way that they want to do it. Mm -hmm. And then tying compensation to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that employees can be more involved in even creating their own compensation packages. Mm -hmm. How do they want to structure? Some employees say, yeah, I want to work by the project. Other employees may say, no, no, I, I need X amount per hour, right? So I think that more and more, along with flexibility along with their workspace and flexibility along with their compensation, how they work, I think we'll see that more and more in the future. So Which is the, exciting. It actually. is, absolutely, because I think if you look at the way that it's been sort of the same for a few hundred years, um, you know, and as of late, I spent a lot of time really thinking through on a pretty deep level about um, life and things. And so I question lots. And I think, you know, part of the problem is capitalism was our mechanism for um, business that said maximize shareholder value. That was the main mandate. And I think we're starting to see that that approach, um, although very well established and our finance systems built around it, is starting to crumble a little bit to say that maybe there's a new criteria for success of companies, and that's why we're looking at B Corp certification, but even rethinking compensation. Um, because if you look at the turnover numbers and the engagement numbers, they're horrifically bad. You know, like 80% of people are unengaged at work, at least. The number could mm -hmm. be higher, but the point is that it's, it's there's it, we really look at it from an accounting point of view and looked at the analytics, we'd say it's not working very well. It's which not. should be a sign to say, let's try something else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and... and that we're going to have to test a bunch of new models, but what an exciting time. And I think that's what we want to do here as an organization and also encourage our companies, not that we can get too involved in their company, but well, I think Fractal is really going to rethink how business gets done. Um, pretty excited about looking at compensation as a new, because I believe ownership, if you look at ownership, the power of ownership, mm -hmm. that when, and it, I know some companies have tried, it's complex to figure out, but when somebody says they're an owner of something and you and I can relate to that, we work differently. Yes. Um, and to, I think democratize ownership is something I really would love to figure out. Yeah. When I, when I was first, when I left Ernst & Young to start my own business, one of my partners walked into my office and he sat down. He said, so, he said, I hear you're getting a really tough new boss. And I looked at him. I was confused. And I and then I said, oh, I said, that would be me. <laughs> yeah. And he was right, because working for yourself, you expect more of yourself. You also know that what you put in, you get out. Mm -hmm. And if you're invested in it, you're excited and you're passionate about it, then you want to work those hours. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't mean that every part of my work is exciting or, mm -hmm. you know, the, I mean, accounting after all. So mm -hmm. <laughs> some of it gets to be drudgery, mm -hmm. but it's still... Mine. Mm -hmm. And that's the ownership component. So how do you think organizations today, I mean, we talked about some evolution of compensation, but how do we make ownership more accessible to employees? Right. Well, I guess looking at how well other companies have done with their employee ownership models. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a long time, WestJet was kind mm -hmm. of the, the only one that's the one that really comes to mind yeah. that did it the most seriously. Yes. Now, things have changed for them. I don't know as, if it's working as well for them now, but in the early days, if you went on a WestJet flight, you could see the difference. Mm -hmm. 
people, the people that worked there were invested in the company. Mm -hmm. They enjoyed working there. Mm -hmm. And it came across. Mm -hmm. And I think looking at, you know, what has been successful and then making changes to update it to present day, I think it's important. Sometimes when you compensate people, let's say you have some kind of compensation package where they're supposed to get a dividend every year. If they're an owner, they're supposed to get a dividend. And it's tied to company profits. That's not as effective for them. So the company has a bad year, but the employee worked just as hard as they did the year before. And they got a dividend the year before, but not a dividend that year. That's when it runs into problems, those mm -hmm. kind of uh, structures. Mm -hmm. So it's less, actually a little less effective that way. I mean, in a great year, everybody's happy, but mm -hmm. in a bad year... So what it, would you tie it to? Well, I think compensation should always be tied to performance. And not to performance, but to meeting their objectives. I think that that people have found that that's the most effective way to even manage people is to give them the objectives, they meet the objectives, and then they get compensated for that. And in fact, many companies are getting rid of the annual review. They don't find it effective and just give them objectives to meet. Mm -hmm. well, you know, what we've been figuring out is I think we've been measuring the wrong part of the equation. I, I believe if we look at how to measure human impact, so if you measure someone's success on the impact of their customers, you know, uh, a measurement, yes. or even the impact of the culture, whatever it is, but I believe, and if you look at investments, they take time to develop. But if somebody was building more relationships that were positive, and let's say you're, you're trying to measure it over a 12-month period, the relationships don't end on a 12-month right. period. They're, they're long-lasting. But I think organizations have to start looking at investments in people and just look at what happens when a customer is made to feel important. They stay. And then they tell mm -hmm. others of that experience. So it handles the marketing. I think we really should find a human way to measure success and make the investment in the person. Even if the profits aren't there, mm -hmm. you keep investing in that person because they're investing in people. And long run, I believe that will be a killer model. Um, that What is the impact? And in really measuring impact would probably... And that's why, you know, we're looking at B Corp, that they're looking at a new criteria that says, what is your impact on the community? So what about if a staff member didn't hit all their financial targets but had an enormous impact on the community? Mm -hmm. right. I suspect that will translate into business success later on. Um, I know we're not supposed to talk about that, but it will come. It's just an investment that takes time. And I suspect you can cut back on marketing budgets because of that. There's probably some new model that if the employee was making impact, you would save money everywhere. Right. You know? And the difficulty comes with measuring those things. Of course. Because they're intangibles. But at some point, but you can we tell. We could start measuring. We could actually, if we put a measurement system in place and you reached out, and before they had the review, you asked every one of the customers to rate that employee. It can be done. It's just sure. we're not we're not looking at it. Yeah. Because no, we're looking at the wrong end of the Exactly. It's how are you going to track your metrics? Right. What are your metrics? What are your benchmarks? Right. And how are you going to meet them? 
I think the, that's the exciting part. Yeah, and it's some waiting. Like, even if the employee needed some help in certain things, but there was a waiting towards impact, and then and let's say they were really, really sloppy with something. I think a feedback loop is always needed, which is where I believe that annual reviews were also the silliest thing ever designed, that we do uh, monthly touch-ins, you know, touchdowns, 15 minutes, half an hour, and that um, at the end of the year, you just have one more. But the, the amount of communication that happens between a company, because – you know, feedback and communication is not something humans generally do very well. We'd rather avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably what the issue is, is the relationship is poor. If you look at, let's talk about relationships because we all, I think here, value them. The relationship between employees and employers is probably not wonderful. I think typically that is probably true, especially in bigger companies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where people feel like they're a little lost. Mm-hmm. I know I felt lost working for a a bigger accounting firm. Mm -hmm. And some people just need need to know that somebody cares about them. Yeah, it almost almost feels impossible to take a company and keep it intimate while making it big. Like what what a challenge, you know, and it's not, I don't even know if it's a part of the world that I want to be involved in. probably rather stay in small business and have a whole bunch more of them all creating intimate experiences instead of trying to have these behemoths that, you know, dominate yet try to create culture. It's probably, you know, there's probably a systems problem that big companies can't maintain their culture because they can't maintain the relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's some math that says over a certain amount of relationships are almost impossible to manage. So big business is maybe something that um, will never work that well, which is exciting if we think Mm -hmm. about our role of helping small business succeed could be a really a much more healthy um, society uh, of little businesses all doing all kinds of things. Um, it's pretty exciting to think about that. It is exciting. And for me as a sole practitioner, my role is to move past the numbers mm-hmm. and become that trusted advisor for people. And that's in my industry, there's a lot of talk about the firm of the future. And in the firm of the future, our value as an accounting profession, our value is to provide more than just numbers, to provide analysis, to provide something real for our clients, value that helps impact their businesses. And there's there actually will be some regulatory changes coming this year that will affect sole practitioners like myself and we aren't always going to be able to produce financial statements for our clients but the more I think about it I'm thinking that's not a terrible thing because so you get a financial statement at the end of the year you know okay there's my bottom line what does it really mean Mm -hmm. what does it mean and and what can I then do with that Mm -hmm. So there's a, a huge opportunity for people like myself as a solopreneur to add more value to all those small businesses. Mm-hmm. It'd be exciting to think about a, a totally new innovative accounting firm that was trying to measure impact, not profit. Right. Which is, I, you know, I've brought up B Corp many times and it's the only organization that's really trying and they've made um, great leaps that they've got a criteria that measures something other than just profit, um, impact, you know, on your community, on your employees. Um, the investors are part of it, but they're only part of it. 
that there's many stakeholders that I think we can start to measure. And what an exciting reality that if the system started to acknowledge that that rating meant something and that those companies were rewarded for that, that that's my vision for kind of business. Um, we're rewarding a new type of measurement tool. It's not going to be easy to change it, but uh, it's, it's not. not working that well. So it's, you know, it's people like us that could play with it that I think it would. And you know what's crazy about the internet now is that good ideas take off quickly. Um, and that's, that's an exciting reality is that it doesn't take as long for a good idea to, to gain traction. So uh, it's super exciting to hear that um, you're open to that kind of rethinking of measurement. Um, cause you sort of are in the measurement game, right? but you're in the, you're, you're in the people game. You know that they trust you. You're really in the trust game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's earned. And, and I think you do that better than, uh, any accountant I've ever seen because you care. Um, Thank you. and that's exciting to, I think businesses that, uh, well, I mean, I've seen it here at, everywhere I go, they're talking about Peggy Seville about, um, and you're only a one person shop. You're going to run it an hour soon, (laughs) but such a need to have uh, an accounting practice that um, cares like yours. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's, if anyone hears this that has a small business, they need to meet Peggy Seville because she cares and she's amazing. So thank you. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. (laughs) Is there anything else that you'd like to cover on? uh, It's, you should get the mic a little bit. Is there anything else you'd like to say? (laughs) Well, I'm really excited about being part of what's happening here at Fractal. And it's not just this location and this workspace model, but what you have planned for the future, the ecosystem. And that's what I'm, I'm really interested in. Again, you know, why? Why am I interested in it? Because it's even more of a community. Mm-hmm. And I think that we as humans crave community we've in a very you know short period of time you know a hundred years we've come out of our small communities where people went to church they had their church groups they had bigger families and we we've changed to just be on our own more than you know other cultures that are more family oriented and that's not saying that there aren't people that are family-oriented, but as a whole, as a society, we get up in the morning, you know, we get our kids to school, we drive like crazy, we go to work, we work all day, then we go home and we race around and we do this and that. And there's got to be more to life than that. Mm-hmm. And I think, for me, I have been craving some kind of community for a long time. I grew up in a small town, mm-hmm. There was community there, mm-hmm. and I haven't really found it since mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. living in bigger population mm-hmm. centers. So it's it's exciting to have that involved with your work as well. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think mm-hmm. I'm just really really excited to be part of that. There can't be anything more important to work on as a life project to say. Not to, you know, to get egotistical or crazy, but to think about that society is sort of um, suffering a little bit. And some of the structure and routines that we had and rituals were really healthy. And to bring them back, and maybe that's what we do as humans, we just bring back things eventually, but we're really due to bring back some of the simple, 
healthy routines. Um, and that's exciting to be mm -hmm. involved in that. Like to say that's really what we want our life to be about is rebuilding community. Um, I think you'll probably get to the end and say if I did that, then I'm happy with my life. And right. we're, we're, as a group, I think, starting to rethink um, the pursuit of whatever you're pursuing. But a lot of it was money-driven and trying to get status. And, and almost all of them have admitted it never – and it didn't work. There was the, – didn't matter how much money they got. So we're, we've had – we've got an engineered system that is poor. Um, right. From, if you do all that, you're successful, but you've left your soul on the yeah, table. Yeah, What's the benefit? Yeah, for sure. Well, that's exciting, and, and I'm excited to work with you on that. And um, thank you for everything you've done for me. You've been an advocate of this space um, and of me. And, and uh, it's just amazing to see how, how much you've helped us lately uh, get reorganized. And, um, and I think the next phase is going to be super exciting to have you involved on, on building more places that people can find community.